You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. We are talking about the container sandboxes, which is actually a technology for sandboxing and isolating containers. That's Yuval Avrahami. He's a principal security researcher at Palo Alto Networks with Unit 42. The research we're discussing today is titled Escaping Virtualized Containers. It's part of a presentation that he gave at Black Hat 2020. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. You know, even though containers have a tremendous upside in a portability and in performance, ironically, they're not that good at containing. The attack surface they exposed really isn't suitable for a hostile workloads, which are actively trying to escape and actively trying to break out and compromise the underlying host. So a couple of companies came up with an idea and a couple of tools to sandbox containers and apply additional layer of isolation. And the research I presented at, the, at Black Hat is really how can you, even, even though there is an additional layer of isolation, how can you break out and still compromise the underlying, uh, the underlying host? So what is the additional layer of uh, containment that uh, you're working with here? So the sandboxing uh, solution I looked at uh, was Kata containers. Uh, other solutions uh, you might have heard of is uh, are a GVisor by uh, Google, for example. Uh, Kata containers was created by uh, Intel, 
And how it sandbox the container is it runs each container or, or Kubernetes pod inside a lightweight virtual machine. And then you have two layers of isolation. So if a malicious attacker tries to break out of the container of the sandbox, he will have to first break out of the container and then escape the encapsulate in a virtual machine. So it's really a difficult challenge. And the idea here is, of course, you know, if you run a lightweight virtual machine for every container, there, are, there is going to be a performance penalty, right? But the idea is you don't have to do that for uh, every container in your cluster. A really good uh, use case for deploying th that kind of solution is looking at uh, the weakest link in uh, your cluster of containers. So for example, a Kubernetes cluster and saying, okay, that container is exposed to the network, is doing a lot of a parsing of input coming from the network, it might be a vulnerable, it might be compromised. And you know, once an attacker uh, compromises a container, he might try to uh, crypto mine, he might try to steal secrets. But uh, one attack ve vector which is very concerning, that's the, a compromised container, a, a rogue container might try to uh, escape and affect the rest of your cluster. And that's obvious, obviously uh, very dangerous. So when you're looking at your cluster and you say, Okay, this is the weakest slim container. I, I can I can choose to only sandbox that container using a, a container sandbox like Kata containers, and then apply an additional layer of isolation. So the reasoning behind container sandboxes is really it's really good and it's really uh, an appropriate uh, solution. But what really motivated me to uh, get into this research is I started the uh, I started hearing folks mention container sandboxes as a solution for uh, what I felt like uh, too many problems, right? They will say, you know, if you have this misconfiguration, just use a container sandbox instead of like fixing the root cause uh, of the issue. So mm -hmm. uh, for me, what I wanted, what I felt was uh, missing in the container security field is really a research that shows, you know, even though container sandboxes are great for isolating your containers, you should be aware that it's still possible. It's much difficult. It's much harder, but it's still possible uh, to find ways to break out. And you should really be prepared uh, for that kind of event, right? The, the, the main takeaway I wanted people to, to take from this research is, research is that a container sandbox really isn't a substitute for a secure cloud-native architecture, right? It's, mm. it's one layer, but you really shouldn't get, uh, it's not a license to neglect uh, the rest of your security posture. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And and so you set out to escape from this sandboxed uh, container here. Uh, let's go through it together. I mean, wh wh what was your approach? The approach was to take it uh, one step at a time. We have uh, two layers of isolation to break out, first a container and then the virtual machine. So I started off with the container and I actually had more confidence uh, that I could find an issue in that in that in in the container um, because uh, Kata containers, they created like a small container runtime for running uh, the container inside the virtual machine. And I was fairly confident uh, that it may have some problems, um, not because uh, a knock of the Kata containers maintainer, it's just it's a really difficult job to create a, you know, a flawless container runtime from scratch. And you can look mm -hmm. at, you know, the five years of uh, past vulnerabilities in Docker as an example, right? It's, it's really a difficult job. And uh, when I started to look into that, I started to investigate which 
isolation properties while they're applying to the containers, and I found one that was uh, missing, and I used that to escape to the virtual machine. So that really was the, the first part. Hmm. And so where did you go from there? So the next stage was to break out of the virtual machine. And here there was a, a lot of attack surface to, to look at. The virtual machine monitor itself, the, the communication between the virtual machine and the host, a lot of stuff to look at. But where I eventually found it, issues there were in the shared directory between the virtual machine and the host. So Kata containers, the sandbox, they use a shared directory to transfer, transfer some files uh, to the virtual machine. But because it is shared by nature, the virtual machine can control the files there just as much as the host, right? So mm. I find a way for the virtual machine to plant a malicious a symbolic links in the shared directory. And then when the host uh, try to uh, place uh, some files in the shared directory or, or do some operations with files in the shared directory, it will actually inadvertently follow those symlinks and do operation on the host instead of uh, the VM. And that way, uh, I was able to find a couple of attacks that you can uh, launch on the host. And uh, one of them was a denial of service attack where you could unmount uh, the entire file system of the host, which of course, <laughs> that really uh, is bad if you're running multiple containers on one host and then one container is able to take down the file system of the entire host that host really becomes unusable at that point. And the second attack, I was actually able to redirect uh, the container image, the container file system, to every path on the host that uh, I wanted to. So for example, you can imagine that if I redirect the container file system over something like a slash bin or slash lib, it's really easy to gain code execution on the host because now every binary that the host tries to execute from slash bin I have control over that. So that was really the, the entire attack put down together. And how sophisticated were your efforts? I mean, uh, uh, how difficult would it be for an, an attacker to, to take the same sort of path that you did? It will have to be a very res resourceful attacker because the, the effort that you have to put in to escape that uh, sandbox, it took, it took me uh, a couple of months. So you really have to have a, you know, an agenda in place, a target that is using the sandbox that you really want to compromise. It's not that easy. It's a chain of multiple vulnerabilities. So that's really never easy. But it could have had a lot of impact it was, if it was found by a malicious actor. is because some cloud service providers are actually using Kata containers to separate between different customers. So you can imagine that if you're running uh, containers, if you're someone like uh, Azure, for example, and you need to run containers for uh, multiple customers on the same host, you might want something like a container sandbox to separate, you know, to really segregate between those containers, right? So that one malicious customer can impact the rest of the containers of the other customers. Hmm. So some cloud service providers have chosen Kata containers as their container sandbox of choice. And uh, you could actually have a scenario if a malicious uh, customer was aware of those vulnerabilities or if he, he hunted for those, he could actually uh, break out of his container and try to affect the rest of the platform, which could have like, you know, hundreds of, uh, and thousands of containers from different customers. So that's really where I think th that the vulnerabilities I found could really have a large uh, impact. 
So what are your recommendations based on what you learned here in your research? You know, what do you say to folks who are using these containers and, and these sandboxes? So my first recommendation is even if you, you chose to deploy a container sandbox, and because of, you know, the whole of the security guaranteed with it, a lot of people are just deploying using the default setting, which are often not the most secure one. So first of all, if you went the way to, to deploy container sandbox, you know, put in a little bit of more extra effort to really configure it using the most secure configuration. And in the example of Kata containers, those configurations would have stopped my attack. So you, there is, you know, real evidence that those configurations really work. For Kata containers, for example, uh, using Firecracker as the underlying uh, virtual machine really improves the security and it hinders, for example, it mitigates the vulnerabilities that I found. And a Firecracker is a, an open source project uh, from uh, Amazon, which is really taking off. Another thing you can do is really be prepared for the scenario of a, a workload, a container, uh, breaking out to the underlying host and trying to affect the rest of the cluster. And in Kubernetes, for example, there is a, a lot of ways where you can restrict the privileges of a, a single node so that even if a container breaks out and compromises a Kubernetes node, that node wouldn't have too much, it couldn't do too much damage to the rest of the cluster. The best you know, recommendation I could give is, use the, is using the node restriction admission controller. You could look it up in a Kubernetes documentation. And it really uh, lowers the privileges of uh, uh, the nodes in your cluster so that even if one is compromised, it couldn't really do too much damage to the rest of the cluster. And of course, if you really have the time, put in some uh, uh, network policies and network firewalling uh, between uh, Kubernetes nodes so that, uh, you know, only a meaningful and approved and, you know, uh, logical uh, traffic can go between uh, nodes really also helps to deny a couple of uh, a couple of attacks. So in general, I mean, is, is it safe to say that um, putting your containers within these sandboxes is, is a good idea? Is it, is it generally, is the upside, the security upside better than the, I guess, the potential performance hits that you could sustain? That's a great question. And I think it really depends on what you're running in your containers. If you're running your own code that you wrote and you are 100% certain of what's running in the container, I think there are other best practices that you can follow uh, that can uh, improve the security of, the con of your containers without you know, uh, taking the performance penalty. But if you are running code which you didn't wrote, or if you are a cloud service provider that you are running code of you know, uh, customers which you have no idea what they're running, then I think a container sandbox really is required because, you know, the, the technology of containers simply isn't enough to secure hostile ones, right, which are actively trying to escape. Is this a situation where uh, people who are working with cloud service providers, should, should they be asking them uh, how they're doing this sort of sandboxing? Is, is this a question that the, they should be asking to, to see what the level of security is? Absolutely. I do think you need to ask that. You know, there is a lot of uh, trust when it comes to cloud service providers. And that's really a, a meaningful portion of the isolation that they provide to your workloads. I think you probably would need to consult some uh, security 
you know, professional to evaluate uh, the solution that they that they use. But generally, I think it's something that uh, people should be more uh, aware of. Definitely, when I'm, you know, uh, doing pen- penetration testing of cloud service provider, this is one of the things thing I look into. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, malicious attackers uh, are also looking into that. That's Yuval Avrahami from Palo Alto Networks. The research is Escaping Virtualized Containers. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.